Welcome to the Faith Insights Podcast. My name is Tyler Roberts, and welcome back for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 21st, 2018. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this podcast, and I'm excited to talk about a couple awesome announcements right off the rip this week. But I'm excited that we're here. I'm excited that we're digging into these tough texts and Mark. And I think this week there is some really applicable things as long as you're a human being, which I'm assuming all of you are. I hope that you're having a wonderful week. I know where I am, we've been having kind of a weird fall wintry mix already, and I'm not prepared for it mentally, but I have to get prepared for it because that's what's coming at me. So before we get into this, I have a couple shameless plugs that I want to put out this week. First and foremost, I want to do a shameless plug for a TV show that I've really been enjoying. I have not checked out the third episode, but the first two episodes were amazing. And if you haven't checked out CBS's God Friended Me, I'd highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It has been incredible. There's been a lot of really deep things have been brought up. It's about a guy who actually does a podcast who doesn't believe in God. His father is a preacher, and so he kind of already has that tension within the family of having this and that he's had somewhat of a successful podcasting job. And as he's developing this, he gets a friend request from God who then starts suggesting friends to him once he friends God. And so he's trying to figure out who this God character is and why is he trying to connect him with all these people. And I don't want to spill any more of it because it's that good of a show and it really hooks you in. I'd highly recommend it. If you haven't checked it out, take the time. It's on Sunday nights after 60 minutes. I'd highly, highly, highly recommend it. I can't tell you how much I am enjoying this show. So, The second shameless plug, as you probably already know, is for Working Preacher. I highly recommend them with their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, and the discussions that they have on a weekly basis on workingpreacher.com. I'd highly recommend spending time over there. If you haven't been there, check it out. So this week we have, again, are continuing this March through Mark and this difficult text weeks. And we start in with the gospel being Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. So we have to, I think, before even digging into the scripture, have to realize the three verses preceding this are the final time of God or Jesus predicting his crucifixion and laying out to the disciples of what he is going to be going through. So now we have James and John coming to him and say, we have a question for you. And Jesus responds with, what do you want me to do? And they want to sit on his right hand and his left hand in glory. And Jesus just responds, you don't know what you're asking. This is something for me to take on. And again, gets into the depths of being on this side of the cross, knowing what he is going to be going through. They don't understand. And I think, again, there's some really unique things, but I'm going to start here in verse 43 that I think is really good. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So this idea, I think, of James and John not understanding what Jesus is being sent here for. And I think it's, for as we dig into this week, that's kind of where I'm going, is there's so many times in our arrogance, we don't understand what God is doing. Or we assume we know what God is doing, and it leads us astray. And that's where I would argue Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 12 is coming out of. That it lays out what could easily be looked at as a prophecy type of thing of Jesus' crucifixion. But I would say it's more personal than that. I would say it's us. Surely he bore our affirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and his bruises were healed. We are like sheep gone astray. We have all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid him in iniquity for us all. I see it as when we are, when we have gone astray, that that's what God steps in for. We try to pursue and are trying to go and strive for what God is calling us to do, yet we miss the point so much. And that's what God is here for, that relationship to help us in this goal of figuring out what the Christian life is all about. The alternative first reading is Job chapter 38, 1 through 7, alternatively 34 through 41. If you read this, and if you are doing the Job readings, this might sound familiar because we have had this reading this year. And I distinctly remember it because of when the Lord tells him, gird up your loins like a man. where God is almost challenging Job to be a man. But as you go through this, you start looking at, and God just starts laying out, well, this is all the stuff I'm doing. What are you doing? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Who can tilt the water skins of the heavens? When the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together, can you hunt prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? And it continues, starting there from verse 37 to 39. This idea that we think we know God, but he then surprises us. We think we know God, and then he surprises us. The psalm this week is Psalm 91, verses 9 through 16. And this is where we then start realizing the point that we are human and that we then need something greater than ourselves to be able to do the work that God is calling us to do. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. No scourge come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning to guard you in all your ways. Verses 9 through 11. He cares for us. He loves us. Even as we make mistakes, he's there for us. 
The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And this is, I think, a reading just kind of affirming what we've talked about, that Christ was sent on purpose. There was a reason that he was appointed the one to do this for us. That's why he was here. The whole idea of him being here, the whole reason that God sent him was to set an example, that he had set him aside. And as you read this, I think it's also affirming if God is able to do that with his own son and have this type of plan laid out and a reason why he was coming and the gruesome way and path that he laid out for him, are we not greater in some ways that he did that for us, that he wouldn't have a plan for us also? But the only way he was able to do that, I think, is summarized very well, starting in verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest, according to the order of Malazak, through obedience, he was able to achieve what God had intended. And as I was kind of going through these and kind of like as I introduced, ignorance is not always bliss. Ignorance is is not always bliss, and ignorance or arrogance can lead us astray. So I'm going to attach this week an amazing TED Talk that I ran across from Brian Goldman, who's a physician. And I was kind of looking at where in science do we at times get so arrogant that we overlook something. And Brian Goldman does a very good job of talking about how he had been always looked up to and revered by his classmates, even as he was rising through the ranks, going to pre-med. And even in medical school, was looked at and graduated very well. And he talks about the specific patient that he didn't talk to the person presiding over him on whether or not he should send her home and decides and he asks the nurse to send her home. And he had this weird gut feeling all day long and finds out at the end of his shift, he walks through the emergency room, which is not the typical for him, and finds out she, she was back. And at this point, over the next few days, they learn she's not able to recover. Had she been able to possibly recover if he had left her in the hospital? Possibly. But this point where then he's beating himself up over this mistake. He uses a really good example from baseball, actually, before he even has his speech of talking about how in baseball, if you're a 300 hitter, you hit the ball and are successfully get to first base three out of 10 times is 300. You're considered great player, probably an all-star. And if you hit it and reach base four out of 10 times, you're a legend. The last one to do it was Ted Williams in the 1940s. Yet he was talking about in his own profession, how doctors cannot admit when they've made a mistake. The protocol, the culture is that of we don't make mistakes. And how hard that can be on a person, how hard it can be on an individual to have that to carry that, to deal with that. 
I don't know about you. I know I've been in positions or times in my life where I feel like I can't make a mistake. And that just makes the pressure all the more. And I usually do not perform to my best in those situations. Even in sports, when you feel like you can't mess up, there's been other opportunities throughout the game that you feel like you can semi-forgive yourself to a point where it didn't have to come down to that one situation. But it still does, and it feels terrible when you mess up. We, within our work as humans, but especially within the science community, I think a lot of times put that on ourselves, that we can't mess up. And if we mess up, how many thousands, if not millions of dollars did we just mess up with? I can't imagine what it was like when you had the Columbia blow up for NASA. Thousands of hours, thousands upon millions of dollars, and lives, all lost very quickly due to a simple mistake. We have it happen all the time. And sometimes it's out of our own arrogance. Sometimes it is a true, honest mistake. And it's detrimental. And that's where we, at times, want that forgiveness for us. But then we try saying we know and understand God. And we come in with the same arrogance. We come in with the same boastfulness that we know better. We know more than what God knows. And that's dangerous. We know that. It's in those times that true mistakes happen. It's in those times that we probably aren't thinking the greatest because we're pounding our own chest. How often do all of us fall into this trap? The moment you think you can't do anything wrong will be the moment that you do something wrong. The moment you think you can do it all is probably the moment that you can't do it all. And that's where I think it's not a coincidence that the last verse out of the gospel reading in Mark is put there. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was brought here to serve. We are here to not only serve the Lord, but serve the people around us. We can do service in so many different ways. We can do it through our work. We can do it through our science, do it through working together to make a successful family, however that may look in your situation. This again refers back to that togetherness that we are designed to do that Mark has been pushing through this whole gospel. Together we do this. It's not lifting someone up greater than ourselves. There's been one person who did that and he died for us so that we wouldn't do that. And I think at times it's so easy for us to get caught up in our own things, our own selves, that we forget to work together. We forget to keep our eyes on what the actual prize is. And that's getting to know God on an intimate level. Getting to understand what he's actually trying to tell us. And not letting our work or science or whatever get in the way of us accomplishing the goals and objectives he has for us. This isn't that much different than what we had last week. Last week, the question was on Twitter, what do you need to let go of 
and what things is God calling you to let go of at this moment? I think for me, there's definitely things that I can reflect on and think of that I need to let go of and continue to work on that will help my relationship not only with God, but with myself, with people around me, family members and friends and girlfriend and people who I hopefully am somewhat of a person that they look up to. But in that, I also have to humble myself and make sure that I don't get boastful, don't get arrogant in what I'm trying to do. Remembering that even this podcast is not possible without God directing it. There's a lot of times where I don't know where this will go and all of a sudden, here it is. And I can't tell you how many times I get done with a recording and I listen back to it a little later and realize the power of what I actually said and realizing it's not me, it's God using me. It's not trying to be arrogant. It's understanding that God works through us if we let him. So the Twitter question this week is very simple, but I think very difficult to actually sit down and think about, is where are you arrogant? Where are you arrogant? Where do you feel like you know God better than God knows God? Part of the reason that I do this podcast is so that we can start to try to understand and see God in the world around us and see him in science where a lot of people don't see him. But it's in those times when we actually admit our faults that God can show us so much. Admitting that we made a mistake, admitting that we're not perfect, that then we can start to understand why we needed someone who was perfect to come before us. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.